On this episode of Real American Heroes, John Gronsky, Major General, United States Army, retired, an expert on all you need to know about our National Guard. Welcome to another Real American Heroes Coronavirus Special Edition. I'm Oliver North, and our guest today is Major General John Gronsky, United States Army, retired. Today, he's CEO of Leader Grove Consulting, is a much sought after speaker and leadership seminar facilitator. He's also the author of The Ride of Our Lives, Lessons on Life, Leadership, and Love. A great read. I sat down and read the whole thing in two days. It's about an adventure I would love to have taken. And as he and I were just chatting, I probably won't get to do it. Major General Gronsky retired from the US Army in 2019 after more than four decades of military service to our country. I first met him in Ramadi, Iraq, in 2005, then the bloodiest place on the planet. There he commanded a brigade of 5,000 plus soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And he is a real American hero. He also commanded the 28th Infantry Division, known as the Bloody Bucket. And from 2012 to 2016, he served as Deputy Commanding General of the U.S. Army Europe. He knows the demands coronavirus has put on our National Guard as well as anyone on the planet. General, thank you for taking time to join us today. Colonel North, thank you. It's great to be with you. How many National Guardsmen and women are currently deployed across the U.S. in this coronavirus crisis? Yeah, it's open source, but there, right now there's just over 30,000 Army and Air National Guardsmen deployed across our country. And I have to say, uh, these soldiers and airmen are just doing a fantastic job. Our country could be so proud of, of these uh, men and women. Is it better to mobilize a National Guard as, as an individual or as a part of a unit? Yeah, it's always better to um, mobilize as a unit, and I'll, I'll quickly explain why. First of all, when you mobilize as a unit rather than piecemeal individuals, you've got the built-in command and control. There's, there's a chain of command built into that unit that you mobilize. Also, the uh, mission command systems and the communication systems are built into the unit as well. And then those soldiers or airmen in that unit are used to working together. Uh, so it's always better to uh, mobilize as a unit. Look, we hear about hospitals being built and set up in places like, you know, big amphitheaters and buildings and tent cities in, in some cases. What are some of the functions that they've already, that they know how to do or that they're adapting their current organizations to perform during this situation? Well, first of all, it's really good because, um, you know, 85% of our National Guardsmen have full-time civilian jobs, yeah. which means besides their military skill, they also bring civilian skills to whatever mission they're called upon to do. So the National Guard could do a myriad of things. I mean, right now they're being used uh, primarily uh, in, in logistical roles. Uh, for example, they're working in distribution centers, uh, you know, packing boxes. They're handing food out to people who need food and other necessities like that. They're transporting much-needed medical supplies and other supplies throughout, throughout the states. Uh, you know, um, the Army Corps of Engineers has been doing an incredible job building these hospitals. The National Guard is working there right alongside the Army Corps of Engineers, helping support that mission. Uh, so that's primarily the, the tasks that they are doing are logistical in nature. And they are, our, our country could be so proud of that, the great work, the heavy lifting, I like to call it, that they're doing. 
Well, and they're still at risk. And, and not only are they still at risk here in the United States, but they're also National Guardsmen still deployed overseas. Uh, ap absolutely. You know, we have uh, National Guard deployed to Kosovo, uh, which is very important. It's important to keep that U.S. presence, that U.S. military presence in the Balkans to keep on, the lid on any violence that might otherwise erupt there. Uh, we have guardsmen in Afghanistan. Uh, we have guardsmen in Kuwait right now. And then, of course, um, when I served as one of the deputy commanding generals over at U.S. Army Europe, uh, I saw, you know, hundreds of not thousands of guardsmen rotate in and out. And we still have guardsmen in Europe there during the doing the very important deterrence mission uh, that we have in Europe. And they are supporting NATO troops and they're supporting our own national interests there. Without getting too far down in the weeds where you and I would be comfortable, just give our audience an idea of the difference between the way statutes guide or guard, how, how the guard is actually committed to something like this under state, uh, state duty or, or federal duty. Yeah, there, there's three basic uh, statuses when guardsmen are called upon to do uh, a mission to support civil authorities. Uh, if a governor calls them up for their own uh, natural disaster or other crisis within the state, they're called the state active duty. So that means that the the, the state is funding the services of those guardsmen and they work under the authority of the governor. Now, President Trump uh, had called up uh, guardsmen for at least three different states that I recall, you know, New York, California, Washington, under Title 32. Uh, that way they're being paid by the federal government, but they're still working underneath the authority of the governor. And then the third status is, is Title 10. Very seldom are guardsmen called up in a Title 10 status to do missions within the United States. Usually Title 10 is reserved for guardsmen to go overseas and do a, a mission overseas, although it could happen uh, where they could be on Title 10 uh, and, and doing uh, work within the continental United States. Look, I, I can't help but want to plug the book, all right? Now, and it is a great read. The Ride of Our Lives, and lessons on life, leadership, and love is great. But what of the lessons in this book could be applied to the current COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the lessons is uh, certainly the lesson of resiliency. You know, on, on that trip we took across the United States back in 1983, my wife and I and our 15-month-old son, uh, many challenges in our 4,000-mile journey across the United States, three months uh, living out of a two-man backpacking tent, and you have to be resilient. And it's in, in cases, in, in situations like this, the coronavirus, I mean, you have to be resilient. You have to have positive energy. You have to have levels of fitness, not only physical fitness, but mental fitness and, and emotional fitness. And you've got to be able to overcome adversity because you know how life is. Life's challenges our way, and we have to have that grit, that drive, that persistence, to overcome adverse situations. Well, your, your lovely wife, who I have met and uh, when you were overseas, uh, not in, in Afghanistan or Iraq, but overseas in Europe uh, uh, two years ago, she really has a lot to, I, a lot of people have got to admire her, particularly when you see the pictures here in this book. Tell us how you can get copies of it. Yeah, you get copies of my book by going to Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, yeah. and uh, you know just just type in my name or the book uh, titled "The Right of Our Lives," John Gronsky, and 
in this time of the coronavirus, it's nice to read about something maybe a little bit different, something that's very, very positive. General, as you know, I've got 18 grandkids, and I, I'm always thinking in terms of how I respond to their questions about what did you do then or how did you deal with that. 50 years from now, when your great-grandkids are studying about this extraordinary time in history, what do you want them to know about what you did? One thing I would like my grandkids to uh, uh, remember me about this time is that I tried to remain positive, had a positive attitude, uh, tried to demonstrate adversity through this difficult time. And I think more than anything else, did my best to try to help out other people as they were struggling with this time. And I think that's what it's all about, trying to help others. When we help other people, we ourselves uh, get help because of that attitude. General, you're a great inspiration, and thank you for being with us today and providing facts our fellow Americans can use in these challenging times. We're going to continue documenting the history of this never-before crisis with these special coronavirus episodes. If this Real American Heroes special broadcast has been informative, helpful, or encouraging to you, take time right now to subscribe and let me know how these unprecedented events have affected you and yours. By doing so, you too may become part of this historical record of how America persevered and once again prospered. Until next time, remember, Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life. Now, America, press on, press on.